And welcome to the second book and the first episode of my podcast, Between the Storylines, where each episode is a new chapter in our journey through the captivating world of storytelling, and I'm here to turn the pages with you. Now, in my personal humble opinion, all fiction is based off of some aspects of reality, which is why it resonates with us so deeply, whether we are aware of it or not. And I believe that by discussing the messages found in these stories, we can learn more about ourselves and the world around us. So now we are currently in the table of contents section, where I will be giving you a preview of what we will be talking about in this chapter. But this one will be a little different from the others. Today we have a special guest who will be sharing their work with us. So first we'll talk about how they got into storytelling, and then we'll get into the actual story. So with all that being said, let's have our special guest introduce themselves. Hello, hello. My name is Gigi Murakami. I am a horror manga artist, illustrator, and I sometimes do content of my work, but those are my primary jobs. When did you know you wanted to be a storyteller? That's a good question. I knew I wanted to be a storyteller pretty early on when I was a kid. I am a huge fan of movies and growing up, I used to watch so many movies. One of like low-key, this is like a guilty kind of like pleasure thing, but like, and I've never mentioned this in an interview before, but like when I was a kid, when I was really, really young, I watched so many movies that I thought I had wanted to like do acting as a kid, but then like I was too shy as a kid to do all that, but like artwork was always like my thing. But because I liked stories so much and I liked reading a lot as a kid too, I knew that I wanted to do something with stories. I knew that I wanted to do something that was like a movie, but like maybe not a movie exactly. So I knew from then I wanted to do something. And that's when I like discovered manga and comics. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe. You know what's so funny about that is I kind of have felt similar with like, oh, I'm so interested in like the world of like this medium, but do I necessarily want to be in front of the camera? No, I like I want to somehow be involved, but I don't know if that specific aspect. And so I went through the VFX route where I was like, oh, I want to do visual effects and stuff like that. Mm. So hard. And then I realized I could also just write them. Like weight lifted off my shoulder because it was it's crazy. a journey. It's a journey to find your space, like in Facts. media in general, like storytelling and creation in general. So not only do you write, but you also draw your work. How do you think the visuals help tell your stories? Well, I think it's the simplest answer is that like, I know it's in my brain. So like, because I'm writing and I know what I'm wanting it to look like in my head, I can easily depict it. Trying to rely, first of all, like primarily I am an artist first and then a writer, but I've been doing both for a long time. I've been doing both since like I was a kid. Definitely just like knowing what's in my head as the writer and then being able to like draw that as the artist. That is just, I don't know. It's the best of having both worlds, I guess. I don't know how many times I could tell you where I would have an idea and I was like, if only I could draw it. If only I could. You, it's such a blessing to be able to do both. What were any challenges that you had to overcome to get where you are now? As an artist or? As an artist, as a writer. Mm, I, I think specifically for like manga and comics, I would say I didn't have a lot of resources to get started. I had to do a lot of digging 
for that kind of stuff specifically for like manga and like using like japanese products and tools and like how to use them especially like paper and like different things like that and i i am not really like a digital girly i don't really draw digitally i will color and edit and like tone digitally but i'm mostly traditional so trying to find like tutorials or like guides like i had to kind of scavenge <laughs> like the internet so that was probably a bit of a struggle, I think, just like my foundational sort of education. Because of that, I always feel like a little like I, I always feel like a twinge of imposter syndrome with that because it's like, damn, am I doing this properly? I think I'm doing it properly. It looks good. It feels good. But it's like it's always that twinge of like, uh, but is it really right, though? And I think that's been my biggest hurdle. And that's because you feel like since you didn't have that structure that you've seen other people might have, that's why you feel that way? Kind of. Yeah. Like. You know, I don't live in Japan. I don't speak Japanese fluently. I've mm -hmm. never like gone to college for learning how to create manga, which in Japan, you can go to college and like learn how to do that. And like granted, with American comics, it is comics among there's not really a huge difference other than like there's a few differences, but fundamentally it's it's all comics. It's, it's the same stuff. But even so, like the small differences in how to like write stories, it's not something that I had like a lot of access to when I started. That part has been like kind of tricky. It's been kind of rough. I got you. The so next question is why horror? What was it about that genre that really spoke to you? Oh my gosh. I love this question. <laughs> all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. About to freak you out. And I always have this book. I always have this book by my desk, just like for, for this question. I exactly. It's funny. So horror because I was always that kid that liked to like prank people and like mm -hmm. scare people, jump out the closet and stuff like that. Also, I think fundamentally it is because like the first comic I ever read, first manga, everything was horror. And it was actually from Hideshi Hino, Panorama of Hell. And I read this at seven years old. I would just Look like to try and describe this cover to you guys that I'm looking at please. right now. <laughs> I don't can't. even think I can. I can't. I can't. You can't. All I see is a man like ripping open possibly his face, an eyeball, his skin. Bulging, his skin, his eyeball bulging out, but then out of his head is two other heads that are like zombie looking. And his hands aren't even attached. His hands aren't even attached. I didn't even see that part. Anyway, everyone go look up Panorama of Hell by Hideshi Hino. This go is like old school, old school look horror. Look up that cover, y'all. The cover is crazy. And I read that at seven years old. This All right. book scared the mess out of me. And I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking about it, though. Because like Hideshi Hino in particular, like his manga is very, um, it's really dark and like gory. But it's like also like very over the top. Like, you know how like Junji Ito is kind of like over the top with like stuff is like scary, but it's like kind of like doofy, like funny. <laughs> like <laughs> Hideshi Hino is like does that also. So mm. but his stuff is way more gory. That was the first manga, first comic I ever read. And I was like, what's going on here? This is a lot. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then, like, I just started getting into, like, horror movies after that. Tales from the Crypt and, like, horror video games, Silent Hill especially. And it was just something that I kind of, like, resonated with. And I don't know. As I've gotten older, I think I've just started to understand horror more as, like, a tool to sort of explore oneself as opposed to just, like, cheap, like... <laughs> Just yeah! like cheap jump scares and different things like that. 
And that's why oh, Crystal is losing her. Like, that's fire <laughs> because that's such a that's such a fire way to put it. So even with just like the animation media right. and people, I feel like don't really respect it because they don't really see how it's just another way to convey a story. They see it as like childish or cartoon. So it's just so interesting now to hear like horror is just another way to tell a story. All these genres are just other ways to tell stories, and that doesn't take away from necessarily what the story is. It's just another way to convey it. And that was so right. fire, and I'm so happy you said it because now it's gonna be lodged in my head. That's fire. That was a bar. Anyway. I think people don't really see that with horror, though, because of all the jump scares and stuff like And because it can be so campy and like over the top or like so gory that it just like the aesthetics are hitting too hard that people can't take away the core message. And then some stuff is meant just to be fun. You know what I mean? Like some stuff is just meant to be like chill vibes, spooky vibes, like whatever. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of like horror that's out there that is doing a lot. It's it's introspective. It's meant to like ask yourself, like, what would you do in this situation? Like, what type of person would you be in this sort of space? Like doing these Fire. things, like making these choices. Fire. So, I so love cool. It. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Now I'm going to go into movies differently. I'm going to be like, okay, so actually <laughs> sit there and watch it and stop looking away because there's something you can take away from this. Oh my gosh. Since you were inspired by so many different manga and video games, we have Silent Hill. I wrote these down. Resident Evil, yes. <laughs> Akira, Monster, Berserk. How do you see the influences from those manga and video games go into your own work? Good question. Obviously, like aesthetics and like visuals. I try to incorporate the visuals of like what I like into my own style and like make it work and try to make it translatable for like what I'm trying to do but also like storytelling a lot of like stories that I'm influenced by and like inspired by do come from video games and you know I, I think times are like have pretty much changed but like I, I still don't know if like video games get the proper amount of respect for storytelling oh my gosh so okay I don't even okay <laughs> yo literally I, I was playing maybe God of War or something or and I was just like we took away the fighting and all that stuff this is a fire story it's an epic so I went on Twitter I was like yo what are some more like narrative based games and people are telling me all these games I understand gaming is like cool you know shooting what but the stories that are in these games and then to actually be able to play through the stories through I feel it. like yeah. video games are just a more interactive it's interactive storytelling it's, it is it's, it's fire like that's a whole i don't know i wouldn't say it's untapped because obviously video games are super popular but i feel like like with Baldur's gate 3 being able to make choices that reflect your own bro i love ever since i figured that out i was like suddenly i'm a huge video game fan suddenly <laughs> this is everything i've ever wanted it's so much fun and i will say it, it has changed a little bit because like play video games like like narrative video games like that in like middle school and nowadays because of like youtube and like different things like that the games have changed like with their narrative structure and like the format of the games have changed a little bit so you're not gonna play like a straightforward narrative story like video like how like older games were that just doesn't work for like streaming and youtube so like the, the games have changed i really don't think that people give credit to like some of the stories for some of these games ha like it's just i don't know it's it's really good it's good stuff it's really good stuff like silent hill 2 is always my go-to for storytelling it's one of my favorite silent hill games i go back and forth between two and three although i think i feel like three might really be 
I don't know, the GOAT. But Silent Hill 2 story is really good. I Anybody listening who's into horror games, I suggest playing Silent Hill 2 because it's the story is like, it's so layered. I had never played a video game with storytelling like that up until that point. Just mind-blowing. So now kind of understanding how you use horror as a tool to convey stories, it makes sense now. But I would like you to explain, you know, how you do that. So because horror is one of my favorite genres, horror and sci-fi, but um, mostly horror, because it's one of my favorite like genres in general it is something that I wanted to use for my own manga my manga and artwork it ended up sticking because I did try to make stuff that was not horror related and I didn't like it it just it didn't it just didn't stick it didn't feel like me it didn't land so with horror specifically as I mentioned earlier like it really is just a tool for like reflection and introspection so I wanted to add that into my manga because I think that there's a lot of different experiences within like femalehood and like specifically like black femalehood that it's either not done justice or there's only like one perspective that is shown. I, I kind of take issue with that. I, I want to create something that a wider spectrum of like black women and femmes can kind of like see themselves in using horror as something as like a contextual tool to like to talk about those issues and like to bring up those kind of things. Okay, I'm going to do my best to explain Resenter. Just a brief kind of introduction of the story. And I'm a judge Gigi, you. Yeah, no, I was about to say, and Gigi is here. She just put her glasses on. <laughs> Gigi is here to tell me if I'm doing that properly. Okay. <clears throat> and I didn't even write this down. This is straight off the dome. So. Action. <laughs> uh, Resenter is about, I don't even want to say. No okay. spoilers, please. I know, that's how I, I was like, Ugh. Okay, so Resenter is, I would say, about a story of a girl who has to figure out how she wants to, I almost said live her life, but her life is over. The story revolves around Jackie. Jackie has to come to terms with some things that have happened in her life. <laughs> I'm about to edit the hell out it's of this. It's not easy. It's, it's not, not, no, not keep easy. all of it in, keep all of no. it in. So when, um, when I'm at conventions and people are like, hey, what's your story, your story about? about? And I can just get it off the dome. Like I need my flowers on that. Cause like, no. It's not easy. Gigi, props, props for trying. Props I did my trying. best. I did my best. Gigi, how would you how would you summarize what Resenter is about? Okay, so Resenter is about a girl named Jackie who is killed one night at her job. She wakes up in this place called the Death Zone, and she meets a woman named Rhea. Rhea is a Ripper, and Rippers are like the Grim Reapers of this world. Um, and Rhea offers Jackie three options for transitioning. The first option is to be reinstated into a new body and just transition, uh, pass over, as they say. The second option is to get revenge on Jackie's behalf, which is the primary function of Rippers in this world. Um, and then the third option is for Jackie to become a Ripper herself. So Jackie decides she's going to become a Ripper and take her own revenge as opposed to having Rhea do that. And the story is pretty much about Jackie's new life as a ripper taking revenge for other people while also getting revenge for herself the problem with getting her own revenge though is that in this world rippers are not allowed to do that so trying to be sneaky about it and navigating this world of revenge and of like murder and the story itself is meant to ask questions of like like what what is the point of revenge is it necessary is it accessible to like what what does the world look like when it's accessible to everybody Talk. and like is it is it necessary? And I love that because I was on a whole, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Vinland Saga. But Vinland I Saga have. And I listened to your episode on Vinland Saga. Me and me and my husband were watching 
Vinland Saga, and we were like, okay, interesting. No, yeah, I think I think Vinland Saga also touches on aspects of revenge and what life can look like once you stop trying to exact it. And especially right. for Thorfinn specifically, his entire life was just consumed by revenge. So when he wasn't able to do that, he was just an empty shell. So I think your concept is so interesting because having the power to necessarily be able to take revenge, but you're not allowed to, is just so tough. And it's so interesting how Jackie's like, I don't want you to do it. I want to be the one to do it. So even from there, it's like this entire concept of revenge is just so interesting to me. What would be the difference? I mean, I can understand the difference, but what would be the rhetorical hypothetical difference between if at the end of the day, you want this person to suffer, why does it have to be you who does it? I think even with that revenge is just so interesting. Was there an overarching like thing you wanted people to think about? You When you were writing, you were like, yeah, I want people to think. <laughs> what would um, you say? I think that the big thing that I wanted people to think about was really questions on revenge. I've mentioned this publicly before, but the crux of Resenter does come from my own experiences of like my own, not my own experiences. I, I, you know, <laughs> obviously I was not murdered, but like my own feelings of revenge, me personally, like being introspective of like my relationships and my personal life and like how those relationships hurt me to a point where I was feeling very resentful of them. And like how if I were given the power to like get square on some people, yeah, like yeah, would, I would I do that? Right. Yeah. Would I do that? And then also, um, obviously, I can't do that because I'm not a psychopath. Like we live in a society. <laughs> so like a little bit of like, what does this look like? This is kind of fun. How mm -hmm. would I go about this? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where the story came from. Jackie and I are very different personalities but the story started stemming from those feelings and even to the question what is the benefit of revenge let's just start with that question what could what could be the benefit of revenge and my thought would be to make another person feel how you felt right but then after that how does it continue to benefit you? And then resentment. The definition of resentment is bitterness from unfair treatment. There's people who can hold on to that bitterness and that feeling of resentment. What does that do for you? And, you know, I've, I've had, because I've asked this on Twitter multiple times and people say, well, it motivates me to do this and it motivates me to do that. And then I just think, but you're holding on to this heavy negative feeling and then even towards the end of the chapter tippy she's becoming a ripper she had just recently died and she's now becoming a ripper and now jackie has to teach her how to be a ripper right and there was this situation when you pulled out the how do you say panorama of what of hell yeah, of, hell. of hell and the dude ripping it ripping his skin as soon as you did that i immediately thought to that scene when she was ripping i said wait a second <laughs> this looks <laughs> this looks a little so, familiar so actually actually and no spoilers, because I know what scene oh. you're talking about. That yeah. that was actually not from that cover. But it, um, this is how subconscious works, right? Like, this right. is one of the first, like, things of horror manga that I've ever read in my mm -hmm. life. That is how it works, right? But, like, I, I will give you the hint. And, like, listeners, once y'all read, y'all know what I'm talking about. But have you seen Paprika? I haven't. Never but mind. I, I'm Dang. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it, and then we can have the discussion later. No, Dang. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you see Paprika, if you see Paprika, though, for sure, for sure, you'll, you'll see. After that scene happened, and Tippy was like, yo, like, are you good? And then Jackie, I forgot what she said specifically, but she, she kind of had this like you could feel you could feel the bitterness and the tippy's looking at her like ah 
do we do this? Is this what this job does? And is it this just, right? I, I don't know if I signed. Did I, I sign up for this? Yeah. And it's, let me read the fine notes. <laughs> my it's just so interesting now seeing kind of like Jackie versus Rhea and how they both, you know, are rippers and how they both kind of take on this power of being able to exact revenge on people. And so that moment, I was just like, oh, Jackie, you better lock in, girl, because it's seeping out. You might, you might need to figure this out. I thought that was just fire because to that being said, back to what's the purpose of revenge? Because if you're holding on to this feeling, eventually it's going to seep out. And eventually it's going to start affecting other things. I said, wait a second, this is this is literally <laughs> exactly what how I would assume revenge would affect a person. So when you were writing for Tippy, what was her purpose in your mind when you created her? I'm not gonna hold you. Um, okay, fair. There already, the dynamic <laughs> the dynamic uh between Rhea, Jackie, and Tippy mm. um is modeled a little bit after me, my mom, and my older sister. I would not say that I am Tiffy, although I guess in hindsight, I do kind of look like Tiffy or Tiffy looks like me. Wait a, wait a second. Wait a second. Actually, in hindsight, in hindsight, that was not purposeful, but in hindsight, and Some I got like going the collar. Hold up. Wait a second. Let's finish the setup. Wait a minute. Hold on. We got like, our voice. <laughs> the dynamic was kind of modeled after that. Um, mm -hmm. And Tiffy is kind of meant to come in as. Tippy's complicated. She mm. she is meant to kind of come in as a little bit of a blank slate, a little bit of like, you know, an optimist in this kind of like very brutal, very um unhinged kind of world that where like all of this like unhinged and like violent behavior is sort of normalized. She is meant to be more of an optimist and kind of like the uncorruptible, I guess I want to mm. say. So that that's her role in this. And I would say to that point, knowing how Jackie feels about her, how Jackie's like, oh, she's this, and she's very just negative connotations of her. That's interesting seeing how Tippy's just like, hey, guys, you know, happy, whatever. Jackie's like, what do you mean you're happy? This and that. Because <laughs> you have Tippy who doesn't, she's just chilling. But yet Jackie sees her in this kind of like negative light. I don't know if that has to deal with the resentment. It does. I don't think that that's off. Tippy's presence, I think, triggers Jackie a little bit. Mm. I don't want to get too much into that because there's a whole arc there for that. But Ooh, um, so. I do I do think that like Tippy is kind of triggering for Jackie. I think that also parallels great with just how life is in general, because I feel like people who are very just negative when they see people who are positive, it just irritates them. And it's like, why are you not suffering and feeling the pain that I feel in this world that is just nothing but suffering and pain. And it's just so interesting then seeing people who are living two different lives and how they can like interact and like impact each other. Right, right. Very crazy. And you know what else I thought was insane that you did in this story <laughs> is that the items that rippers have to like, I guess, kill people. To do the ripping. To, yeah. To do the ripping is the item that killed them. I said, Jackie will never forget about the murder because she has a thing <laughs> that killed her. I feel like that is so fire. Why did you make that choice? I wanted to make that choice because for the reason that I wanted rippers to always have to remember like their own murders. I also wanted to use it as like a little bit of a, I guess as like a visual motif of like cycles, if that makes sense. Like it's not, I mean, you know, in Jackie's case, it might be a little different because she is trying to find her own killer and get revenge. But 
in general with rippers like just like the cycle of revenge like a visual cycle of this happening this tool was used to murder somebody mm -hmm. which is then used to like get revenge and murder somebody i forgot something i was like this is just a cycle of murder and hate i think it had to do with kind of like raya and how raya would be the one to exact revenge in um, Jackie wouldn't because I feel like if Jackie does that's continuing the cycle but if Rhea doesn't it kind of stops the cycle and doesn't allow Jackie to then become the thing that killed her necessarily which is a murder even though in a sense she was allowed she is and isn't allowed to kind of thing or at um, least like physically allowed to do it exactly right. so then having the tool having it as a reminder is crazy the type of emotional control that you have to have as a ripper to be able to, you know, do this have, with the weapon that killed you, you have to. I all I thought was with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Not that's you comparing this to uh, Spider Man. Look, look, because that's what it felt like. Because to be, to, I feel like to have the role of a ripper, you have to have some type of insane control over yourself and your emotions. You were treated unfairly and now you're told that you can't, you know, get revenge. And so that brings it back to is revenge like, you know, it's a fire story, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Like this is, <laughs> and this is only chapter one. It's only it's, chapter one. It's very yeah. fire. Um, what thank what you. are some things? No, <laughs> thank you for writing it. What are we talking? <laughs> but what are some things that you feel like in the story are very important for people to realize? I think something that I want people to really think about is like is really the concept of revenge and like the pros and the cons of it and whether or not it is worth it and what does it mean to you for something like that to take place. I want like specifically like black folks to think about that, you know, because for me is them days and gays all day because a lot of the stuff that I do is centered around like black women, femmes, non-binaries. I also want to highlight like those experiences within the story too. Not to get like, I guess, I don't know, too political or whatever, but like, I also want to highlight that experience too, because like, I, I don't really see typically like, a lot of revenge stories dealing with women outside of like like assault like essay or something like that um and i knew that i i love revenge stories i love revenge tales men typically get the best revenge tales to be honest mm. it's typically like their girl was violated or like the woman is always being like discarded mm -hmm. and like it's such a trope that like with john wick like i think they like they killed his dog or whatever right because to show that like that anything can be replaced in that formula. So when it's coming to like women's stories of revenge, like I didn't want to go that route. But because I'm not going that route and I'm going a little bit more introspective and like emotional with it, I do want people to also take away the idea of like what women of color kind of have to like deal with when you can't always say what you want to say and that you, you don't always have power in certain spaces. And that does kind of leave you with a lot of resentment. And I want people specifically black women and femmes and non-binaries um black people <laughs> uh specifically to like read this and like really sit in those thoughts and like take that away and like feel i don't know like full permission to kind of like power trip on this like in this story but also like because we we do love nuance also think about the complexities of revenge and like if it's necessary and if it is necessary for you, why is it necessary? So that's kind of like what I'd like people to take, Ooh, <laughs> take away from it. Yes, that is so. I love I love talking about stuff like this because why? Oh yes, 
Because if it is necessary, why? Why? Yeah. Why is it necessary? Because I'm not like- going to hold you. I, I do think... Sorry to cut you off. Um, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I do think in situations... It, it's a little appropriate. I do think in situations like revenge, the idea of like wanting vengeance is, a, is totally an appropriate response. But there's plenty of situations where it's it's not. But I do think you black, I'm black. We We know like some black people love to say like, I'm petty. It is what it is. But like that pettiness is a form of resentment. Like that is like an a form of like like revenge, like seeking revenge on something or somebody, right? And it's it's a lot of us that say that. I just think that we do it too often and like it's trying to be like we try to be funny. Sometimes it is funny depending on the situation, but like <laughs> I I also think like we should think about in a serious situation, like when those feelings arise, like really sit and think about like why this is important for me or like what this means to me. And like, is it really necessary? I think (laughs) I think a lot of times (laughs) that was tough. I think a lot of times emotions just build up so much that we don't want to think we just want to act. We just want to, you know, and a lot of times, like you said, I don't know if you said a lot or sometimes, but like justification for revenge. The mind is crazy. The mind can give you exactly what it is that you want. I don't know. Mind and your heart work together very well sometimes, but sometimes I think emotions One goes overpower. off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's, and it's hard to have that control over both. So with Jackie, I don't know if she really listening up here. <laughs> so that mind be like, hey girl, wait, 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 wait. Just give it two seconds. please right but But i think that's relatable for some people because like people have sometimes you have big emotions and it's like how do i in that moment i can't i can't control myself the scary thing though is that like now jackie has the ability to go through with that we'll see what happens We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all that being said, uh, I just want to thank everyone for just listening to us talk and ramble and rant and get excited about this awesome story. I think it is such a great depiction of how revenge can really, you know, have a toll on the mind, have a toll on how your interpersonal relationships can work. Um, and this is just chapter one, y'all. I just think everyone should take a chance and read this. And then after you read it, reflect on your life. <laughs> reflect on your right. life and then let it, maybe let it also inspire you to think about in other situations where you might feel very emotionally charged. How will you act? Gigi, I would love to know um, where can people find you? Upcoming projects you have, just any upcoming anything that you have, I would love to know so people can know all of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so my website is gigimurakami.art. So not .com, .art. Um, you can check out my artwork there. I also have an online store, which is ggmorakami.store. So dot art and dot store. <laughs> um, you can also check me out online. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, gg underscore Murakami, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, everywhere else is just at gg Murakami. And as far as new projects, I'm working on trying to develop presenter in a kind of like a secret sort of project thing. Um <laughs> A secret, a secret sort of situation that is developing. Um, it's still in the works, and I, I don't want to talk about it too much yet. I've kind of hinted it around because we're we're kind of getting there, but I don't know for sure if it's going to work out. So, um, that's why you know, Resenter, the first chapter has still been. It's just been the first chapter, but I can assure you, behind the scenes, there's a lot of work that's happening. So, 
be patient on that, please. But in the meantime, I do have uh, some one shots, including Tooth Fairy, which you mentioned earlier, The Soul Stealer, Wash and Go. Those are on my website now. And then future projects for this year, I am trying to release a horror anthology of like five to six uh short horror stories trying to release it this year hopefully i can get it kickstarted by like september and like have it done and ready for people by october that is that is the full plan please be on the lookout for that and follow me on socials and my email newsletter to get updated for all of that stuff yeah awesome cool all right well that's all we have for today folks So with all that being said, I just want to thank you guys for listening to the new chapter of Between the Storylines. I would love to hear your thoughts on this chapter. You can either at or hashtag the podcast so we can continue this conversation on social media. All the links will be posted in the podcast summary. I had a great time talking with Gigi. Really like dissecting Resenter. It was a great story and I really hope you guys dive in to read it. And so you're probably thinking, what's the next episode? I will have a hint posted on our social media if you would like to see. But like always, I appreciate you guys for going through this chapter with me and I'm looking forward to the next. So please remember, just like the stories we love our own lives are filled with endless possibilities and paths to explore so until the next chapter please stay curious stay inspired and keep creating your own story